Hi guys, hope you're well and welcome back to another session of Inbound Marketing Notes. I'm Ben from Session Media, host for today. And in this episode, we are going to be looking at B2B marketing myths. And more specifically, we're going to be looking at B2B myths started by B2C marketers. Now, there seems to be a lot more people out there writing about marketing from a B2C standpoint. And then because they write about B2C marketing generally, B2B marketers read these blogs about marketing and think that these, I guess, ideas, channels, tactics apply to their B2B marketing and the products or the services they're marketing from an enterprise perspective. And you hear them quite a lot and the reservations that some of our clients and and prospects have around using certain channels and tactics and approaches because they've read that it doesn't work or it's not the right approach to marketing. When actually what they've heard is that it's not the right approach for B2C marketing, which makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to go through some of the more common ones today, as well as a few nuanced ones as well, which we've come across in a few different areas um, of conversation over the past few years. So let's dive straight in. The first one is around LinkedIn ads being expensive. And it's a reservation we hear quite a bit from B2B marketers is, isn't LinkedIn ads too expensive? You know, CPCs can be five, 10, 15 pounds at the upper limit. Should we be spending that much money per click? And again, this is a this is a, a marketing channel which has over the years had a bit of negative press from specifically B2C marketers because if they were going to market their product and say they're marketing shoes and they cost £100, then yes, spending £5 CPC isn't a great idea. And to take that one step further, LinkedIn's platform isn't very good at targeting their market. You know, it's, it's built around targeting the enterprise and getting really into firmographics and demographics of people within these companies. So yeah, B2C marketers will go in and say LinkedIn ads doesn't work. I mean, that'll be taken as a general marketing approach and B2B marketers will listen without the blog that they've read or the podcast they listen to, people saying that specific B2C advice. But if your product is enterprise or for the enterprise, a B2B offering, and it's worth more than a minimum of 10 to 20,000 pound average order value, probably worth more as a lifetime value, then it very much is the case that it's usually worth the money. So if you're spending five pounds CPC and the return is 10 grand, then, or minimum of 10 grand, I'd say, then yes, LinkedIn is definitely a platform that you should be looking at going after. Even if it's just to play a part in your wider marketing mix, it's just getting your first touch point with someone to your site or starting to create that awareness around your product or service or using it as a platform in itself in isolation to start nurturing people with their remarketing functions within the platform. So next time someone says or you read that LinkedIn ads are expensive for B2B or B2C companies, yes, they are expensive. They haven't got the functionality there to target and they also are much more expensive than Facebook from CPC. So why would someone who's got a million plus target audience market selling shoes or specific shoes, then try and repurpose some of their budget on LinkedIn, which can be less effective, much worse if not, if any at all ROI, as well as the fact they've got much more impression share they could be capturing on their current platform. So LinkedIn is expensive, relatively speaking to Facebook, but it's also not that expensive if you're looking for the accurate attention from a first touch point perspective, I should probably say, compared to the likes of Facebook for enterprise in a lot of cases. So that's the first one, LinkedIn ads is expensive but only if you're in B2C. 
The second one is a piece of marketing advice, which you'll hear a lot from B2C marketing bloggers is that, you know, people don't use Bing. And again, that's very true in the fact that a lot of people making B2C buying decisions probably won't use Bing. They'll be doing it on their mobile phone and they'll see millions of, of people searching each month through uh, Google um, and they'll see a pretty much unlimited amount of people they can go after on Facebook and Instagram. So they're saying people don't really use Bing because they've got a lot more money they can spend in those platforms in order to you know, generate a very similar ROI to what they're already achieving. Whereas in B2B, yes, there's probably only going to be about 10% of people say in search who are using Bing compared to Google. But what we've seen a lot is if you go into analytics, you'll find that a lot of the traffic, even the organic traffic that comes through from Bing, has a much higher conversion rate than the traffic that comes through from Google to the same landing pages. And what that normally means is the people who usually have Bing, normally as a default search engine, are normally people in a much more decision-making role. And so commercially, they're there and they can actually start implementing some of the new bits of software or the new suppliers that they need. Also, what we found is even though you know, in B2C people use mobile a lot, but obviously in B2B computers are one of the main sources of commercial driving decisions. A lot of the time we'll actually not bid on mobile for high intent keywords in the B2B perspective because we found the conversion rate to be a lot lower. So people will use computers to make commercial decisions. And the Windows computer is the default company for a lot of, of default computer for a lot of companies. Therefore, the default search engine for a lot of Windows computers is Bing. And some in like Lenovo, for example, we've had a few computers where you actually have to go and deactivate some security settings to be able to download Google. So a lot of people, especially probably in the slightly older generation, are going to just keep with Bing. And again, if they're in the ability to buy position, then ultimately going after people on Bing, whether it's organically, um, I wouldn't probably look to optimize for Bing over Google is a bit more primitive we found so optimizing for both can always be hard but especially in in PPC so Google ads equivalent in Bing so Bing ads the CPC is a lot lower it's much easier to hit the max impression share for your query which gives you a really good data set um, yes there won't be as much search volume as a whole but what you'll find is the people that do you know click on those ads will convert at probably a slightly higher rate um, from what we've noticed and watching, watching our clients in sort of 30 plus different industries. So if you're in B2C, you probably haven't got to worry massively about Bing, especially because it's on mobile. But if you're in B2B, I would say Bing, if Google's working well for you, then definitely start to expand your, your reach and your targeting by looking into Bing ads specifically. And you can always just copy that campaign across and then make your own modifications to things like the, the tracking codes and everything else which, which need to happen. The third thing is B2C marketers write a lot about conversion rate optimization. And this is something that we've kind of come in to talking about quite a lot recently. And B2C marketers say conversion rate optimization is primarily making and monitoring landing page changes. And in a lot of cases in B2B as well, that is right. You can make changes to the call to action, the structure of the page, the emotive copy, the length, the, the cues, the social cues, the social proof and all that stuff. And it all makes a big difference. But B2C have so much volume, they have millions of people, if not, you know, tens of millions come into their site over the year. And it's like, how can we really look at the user interaction to optimize the journey? A lot of time in B2B, we don't have this same number of, we haven't got the same amount of traffic. So making these small tweaks are going to come slower. They're probably not going to have as much of an impact, mainly as well, because it's not a one touch point purchase. 
So conversion optimization isn't always going to show you the best results because someone could absorb all of your content but then come back and fill out the form later. Whereas in B2C, it's much more likely they're going to make an immediate action because there's less stakeholders. So what we found with B2B is a lot of it, conversion optimization-wise, happens off-page. So rather than trying to just make changes to a landing page, define who your target audience market are. Again, you can go after them on LinkedIn, get the information across to them, which happens, you know, what's your product about, what would happen when they work with your company, who are the people that you've worked with, how easy is it to migrate across to your software if you are working in software. Lots of different ideas. Is there any thought leadership content you can put out there? So then when someone comes onto your landing page, you haven't got to worry about tweaking different elements. You've already done the conversion optimization, which has been off the page and natively within, say, social media or in your blog, for example. So when they do come to a product page or a demo page or whatever it may be, they're much more ready to actually fill out that form. So the conversion optimization isn't only on page, it's off page. Whereas in B2C, a lot of the focus is around heat maps, monitoring, you know, what more can we add on this page to make sure someone converts immediately but again it comes down to the buying journey the process and just the mindset of what that person will be in and also the, the barrier to buy in b2c if it's 10 to 100 pounds it's not going to be that much friction in enterprise you're gonna have to go through different layers and different functions to get sign off and everything else like that and it's much more expensive this leads nicely on to the fourth point which a lot of b2b market or b2c marketers will say, you know, report on channel, claim attribution for each of the channels. Google ads sent this much traffic, gave this much back. Facebook sent this much traffic, got this much back. Instagram sent this much traffic, got this much back. Our affiliate scheme got this much, you know, we spent on partnerships and whatnot, and this is how much we made. And this was very easy in B2C. One, because like I mentioned in the last point, it's usually one touch point, or it's not usually, it can a lot more often than B2B be one touch point because there's less decision makers. So the people who are actually buying, it'll be them making the decision a lot of the time solely by themselves, if not maybe one of the person's input. And also it's going to be a lot cheaper. So it's much more likely that they're going to buy. And then from a reporting perspective, it's very easy to track. So in the data layer, you've got all of that revenue captured. So you can say this person, we spent two pounds on each of these clicks. We've made a hundred pounds. We've made a two-time um, ROI. Fine. That's, that's kind of how it works in, in B2C. With B2B, reporting by channel in isolation in a way that attributes 100% of revenue is very different. So B2C marketers will say you should probably report in isolation you, you can report in isolation a lot of the times and we hear this a lot and what clients want to see which is fair enough but in b2b there's a few things which are different the first one is the buying journey is very different so you can't really claim attribution from one channel when that person needs to get multiple stakeholders involved there's always going to be multiple touch points and multiple channels they come through on and the second one is people collect leads and there's not really a revenue immediate feedback loop for a lot of channels so say if you uh, run some LinkedIn ads, they come through in your site, fill out a form. Yes, it might say that you've got one lead, but then unless you actually implement a robust structure to then look at the revenue, which has been, you know, quite off the back of that lead and then monitor that precisely, you're always going to find it quite hard then to, to attribute 100% of a channel to the revenue that's come in. And you don't even know necessarily if that's the first touch point that person's had with you. It could have been touch points multiple other places and then you're giving LinkedIn the whole attribution when actually it should have been down to a, a long form blog query, which they read or a referral or a webinar that you may have done they had come to. So in B2C, because it's such high volume, yes, you might only be able to track half of where people have come from just from a first touch point perspective, but it will show you a good trend. 
B2B has lesser numbers, um, lesser ability to directly attribute revenue to different platforms. And also it's going to be longer, multiple touch points, multiple stakeholders, a lot more referral based. So again, you can't report by channel. You can report on overall revenue and then do a bit more um, qualitative um, data studies with the people that have come in or with your CRM to start working out exactly where that person found you and then how that person converted. The next one, uh, which is going off in a slightly different tangent, is B2C. A lot of the times, I haven't really read it too much, but it's kind of implied quite heavily that high production value is needed and it needs to be entertaining, needs to be amusing, needs to capture attention. But in B2B, we've done this, we've tried it, and yes, it captures attention, it gets better engagement. You have 30-second snippet videos, people watch them, people engage, they like, they comment, they share it with people. But what actually comes when leads come through the back of that and come down to buy is they need a lot more information, they need to sell it into the company, they need to get people from the finance team, the board of directors to sign it off. So what we found in B2B, rather than trying to capture attention and going after, say, a B2C customer, which you can amuse them, you know, get that uh, validation to the fact it's a social brand um, or whatever it may be, you need to start actually offering decent value in B2B. Be more functional. I actually set myself a target of not smiling once in a LinkedIn ad and seeing how it did, but just providing as much thought leadership, social proof, um, you know, the credentials for us as possible. And it was one of our best performing ads. And in B2B, you can provide value without providing amusement or comedy. And in a lot of cases, we found that if you can actually prove what you do, show how you do it, create a really frictionless experience for them getting in contact, providing all that information up front, then it's much more likely to convert into revenue than spending, you know, lots of money on entertaining videos, which get attention, get likes, look great in board meetings, but then don't translate into revenue. It can work. It's hard to work. It needs to be consistent. It needs to be aligned with your brand messaging. And it also needs to, if you do go that route, portray all of your USPs and the way in which you're actually going to help that company solve a pain point or make more money or whatever it is they're looking to achieve. The next one is around Facebook. And in B2C, they say, just because they we have the likes of LinkedIn in B2B, they say Facebook doesn't work for B2B. It's a social platform. People want to be entertained. People want to turn off. People want to not be sold to. And I actually agree. I think People don't want to be sold to in B2B. And for people who are looking to create direct response ads for enterprise offerings in Facebook, then it's it's not going to work. And if it does work, it's going to be very much like a blunt force approach to buy now, buy now. And if they do, they've probably already got some equity in that brand or have seen messages before and they are actually by chance in the mode to buy and not trying to chill. So what we recommend doing for B2B is the B2B Facebook or uh, lookalike audiences are great. Facebook seems to have, I don't know how obviously legit it is on their side, but they've managed to really be able to pair people that have hit your website to other people who hit very similar demographics and firmographics somehow. So everyone who's been pushed to your site from LinkedIn or Google ads or referral or organic or email, whatever it may be, start creating lookalike audiences uh, on Facebook and then start using Facebook as a delivery mechanism for things that you you would promote, for example, via a email newsletter. So you've got a new blog, a new case study, a new thought leadership bit of content, a new announcement maybe, depending on what your company is. You can then use Facebook as a really cheap method of getting and re-engaging with people that have hit your site that have had previous touch points. 
So you shouldn't go right for the buy this 50 grand service from us now. You should put in front of them that these are, this is a research piece that we've done recently. This is a benchmark report. This is what we found. And I think in 2022 that we're in now, people are very much not identifying with their work, but people are coming around to the fact that I think a lot of people enjoy what they do. They're really around sort of furthering themselves as professionals in their career and everything else. Not everyone is, but I think a lot of people that, especially in the marketing space that I've spoken to, are interested in reading around topics. So if you can hit them in their spare time, rather than them reading about, you know, or watching interesting cat videos or whatnot, people can start reading about the latest trends, insights, a unique angle, whatever it may be. It's like people read Marketing Week in their spare time, for example. So why wouldn't they be interested in reading other angles which your company's produced in their spare time? So don't use Facebook as a commercial channel. Use it in the same way you'd use an email newsletter from information and use it as a way just to stay in front of your target audience market or previous website visitors at a really cost-effective way which can really grab engagement um, and really further your brand conversation with them. And finally... It's quite a quick podcast today, but I think it's it's needed. We've been thinking a lot about this, and especially in the tech space in B2B, you can't always be a product expert. In the B2C space, and a lot of advice that we've seen is the marketing manager needs to know more about the product than most people. Yeah, product manager, marketing managers, you have all of these people that need to know more than anyone else in the world about their product to know how to sell it. And in marketing, especially with modern marketing with modern tech around cybersecurity, um, DevOps, whatever it may be, that the marketer isn't going to know even maybe 10% of what people who work in the actual space and actually use a product know because it's so complicated. People have done degrees around it. People have devoted their life to this trade and it's not simple. Learning how to code backend isn't simple. It's it, years and years of dedication. And as a marketer, you have a different skill set. And in B2C, you might be able to become one of the most familiar with your products, know exactly what it does, all of the selling points, everything else. You're never going to know a product inside out if you're a marketer for a really technical product. So what you need to be good at is you need to be good at getting in contact and coordinating people who are experts. How can you get the most out of them? Because the people who know the, the product inside out aren't experts amplifying what it does. So you need to work with them. You need to become good at analytics. So reading where the data is coming from. So ultimately what channels are performing well, what content is performing really well. And then how can you work that into a feedback loop system to start attributing different levers or attributing different channels um, and platforms to what it is that you're achieving and where the revenue is coming from. So what leverage should you be pulling more of? So analyze it, work out what content and be really good at just working out a plan for hitting that target audience market so you can get help with the creative but how are you going to reach the target audience market is it going to be through github is it going to be through reddit is it going to be through quora it's not always going to be through the likes of google and linkedin so marketers don't need to know more about the product than everybody else but they need to know how to amplify the product analyze it and then they also need to know how to work with the experts consume that knowledge or edit that knowledge and be able to then work out how it fits into their their marketing strategy so those are, I believe that was seven main B2B myths started by B2C marketers. Again, when you're reading any content out there, it's always good to try and work out whether it's B2C related or B2B, if it's going to be specific, because a lot of the time, while there is overlap, there is a lot of nuances in, in B2B, which make it a, probably a much harder task in order to be able to track revenue specifically and say what exactly is working. You need to have your finger in a few more pies um, when it actually comes to working out the cross-channel success path 
But yeah, that's everything I've got for today. Any questions, hit me up on LinkedIn. But until the next podcast, I hope you've all had a a, a lovely uh, break because I'm recording this in January 2022 and um, hopefully speak to some of you soon. So have a great week. Bye.